Pastor Xavier Reese on finding hope for the future after forgiveness of failure. What people have done throughout the ages of time for money and how sex and women play such a big part of it, our fallen nature is so treacherous. A weakness recognized is a strength protected by depending on God. A strength unguarded becomes a double weakness by depending on yourself. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Old Testament book of Judges reminds us that God uses all types of people from all kinds of backgrounds. For example, during our study series of the book of Judges, we saw how Jephthah provided hope to all who come from unpromising beginnings. But the message of Samson comes home especially to those who find themselves weak and failing again and again. It gives them hope that the God who used a Samson can also use them, if only they repent of their sin. Here's Pastor Xavier illustrating the simple truth that the God of the Bible is the God of the weak as well as the strong. Let's listen. We come to the last days of the life of Samson, which revealed to us the sad end of a self-willed life that has so much potential, but he threw it all away by his weakness for pagan women. What we want to do is examine the character of Samson through the final events of his life in this chapter, which will reveal three things. Let me read our text for us. Now Samson went to Gaza, and he saw a harlot there and went into her. And when the Gazites were told Samson had come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two doorposts, pulled them up, bars and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faced Hebron. Afterwards, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Zurich, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. And so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with uh, seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. And so the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now, men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson, but he broke the bowstrings as the strand of yarn uh, breaks, and when he touched, they touched fire, so the secret of his strength was not known. And then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. And so he said to her, If they bind me securely with new robes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. And therefore Delilah 
took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into two web of the loom. So she wove tightly with the batten and the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And so he awoke from the sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. And then she said to him, How can you say I love you? When your heart is not with me, you have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head. For I have been an Azrite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I should become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the Lord to the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. And then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man, and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and the strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza, they bound him in bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the, in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the Lord of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow, take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right hand, the other on his left hand. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life and his brothers 
and all his family household came down, and they took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. Examining the character of Samson through the final events of his life revealed three things. First, Samson had developed an immoral character, verse 1 through 3. Secondly, Samson had become a slave to his immoral character in verses 4 down to 22. And thirdly, Samson had read to his immoral character, and that's 23 to 31. It begins with Samson having developed an immoral character, verse 1 and 3. Notice in verse 1, The visit of Samson to Gaza is given to us. The reason is not given. But Samson felt at home around Gaza and the Philistines, his enemies, and yet it's a type of the world. Gaza was one of the five cities of the Philistines, as you know. They're in the coastal southern part, 12 miles south of Ashkelon. And in spite of that being worldly and and an enemy towards him, He just walked in and out, and he felt with great confidence that he was okay. Now, Samson arrived at Gaza, and notice he saw a harlot there, and he went into her. The sensual character of Samson was awakened by the sight of this prostitute. The lust of the eye captivated him. The word saw means to observe and consider, giving attention to the harlot. This is Samson's character. Now, men are moved more by what they see. Women are moved more by what they feel. They're more emotional. Now, the lust of the flesh drove him to solicit the prostitute. He went into her and he had sex with her. Once again, Samson reveals he had sexual weaknesses for pagan women. He was just drawn. He had gone down to Timnah, if you remember, where he saw a daughter of the Philistines, and she captivated him in chapter 13, verse 1. He then demanded his parents to go down and make the arrangement for the wedding in chapter 14, verse 2, and we remember the outcome of that. His wife betrayed him in the answer to the riddle. He got all ticked off, killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. He went home pouting, came back after a while, thinking he could uh, come back and consummate the wedding, but his wife had been given to another. Notice verse 2 and 3, the men at Gaza laid a trap for Samson. Even the enemies of Samson knew his weakness and used his weakness, see? They understood him. In verse 2, the Gazites were informed of Samson's visit, and they surrounded the harlot's house and waited for Samson. They also guarded the city gates. They remained silent all night, declaring that in the morning light they would kill Samson. But the Gazites were surprised by Samson. He made his escape at midnight when they were not expecting him. And he tore the doors of the gate with the two poles and placed them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faced Hebron, which was about 35 miles or so away. Clearly telling them, you can't touch me. Now, Samson used the power of God and the abilities of God for his own purposes all the time. That's not good. There are men in ministry that have done the soul like Samson, and that's not good. What God gives is to be used for God's glory and for the people of God. 
Sexual sin affects people profoundly, be it fornication or adultery. The Proverbs have much to say to the young man about sexual discretion. In Proverbs 2, 16 through 17, it says, To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flattered with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. Proverbs 5, 1 through 5, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Be careful. Don't get too close. She'll stick to you. And her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Proverbs 6, 24 through 27, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of seductress, do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? It's a rhetorical question with only one answer. No, he will get burned. You know, the Proverbs um, warn equally against adultery. Today we have a nice sanitized word. We call it an affair. God designed sex, as you know, for marriage back in Genesis 2, 24 and 25. It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. He shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. God celebrates, God blesses, God delights in the union of a man and a woman in the context of marriage. Completely what the design was for. Proverbs 5, 15 through 19, he says, Drink waters from your own cistern. He's not talking about a drinking fountain. And running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of waters in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and grateful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be in rapture with her love. We can go into Song of Solomon. We don't have time. He's very descriptive. In Proverbs 6, 32 to 35, says, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul, wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. Very personal, very intimate. You cannot undo those things. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So God is not against sex. He's just against sex outside of marriage. Samson had developed an immoral character through time. Secondly, notice Samson had become a slave to his immoral character in verse 4 through 22. In verse 4 and 5, the man Samson fell in love with another pagan woman. He fell in love again with 
a woman in the Valley of Zorik named Delilah. The Valley of Zorik means choice vine. We've talked about the terrain there and how fertile it is. Delilah means feeble and probably a Philistine. Even a pagan doesn't name their daughter Delilah. And when a woman or a father does, it's really to show their corruptness because everybody knows about Samson and Delilah, even the non-believer. He just couldn't stay away from worldly women. The pattern that establishes in his younger years continued in his life. Notice he was plotted against by the Philistines through Delilah then because his enemies know his weakness. Satan knows your weakness. Satan knows my weaknesses. A weakness recognized is a strength protected by depending on God. A strength unguarded becomes a double weakness by depending on yourself. And so he's plotted against by the Philistines with Delilah. They know his weakness. His Achilles heel, if you will. Notice in five, the five lords of the Philistines came to Delilah and laid out to her an offer. They came and they told her to entice Samson. They knew he would fall for it. Now, you start thinking when you go through this narrative, you say, what kind of an idiot was he? Listen, when you've got a weakness, whatever it may be, you will do the dumbest things and go along with the stupidest things. That's why it's called deception and weakness. You're, in, you're analyzing it intellectually, sanitized, reading on the pages. You're not there. You're not the slave to it. You're not involved in it. You're not do-do-do, do-do-do. Hmm. The reason was to find out where his great strength lied and by what means they might have overpower him. I mean, she tells him straight up. The goal was to bind Samson and to afflict him. Verse 5 there. Now the five lords of the Philistines were willing to pay Delilah. And five there, each lord of the Philistines promised to give her 1,100 pieces of silver. A grand total of 5,500 pieces of silver. One commentator estimated it would equate 550 years of the average worker of that day. I think she'd be set up. What people have done throughout the ages of time for money and how sex and women play such a big part of it. Our fallen nature is so treacherous. In 6, Delilah asked Samson straight out directly to reveal how his strength could be overcome. <laughs> Samson told her, if they buy me with seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. The lords of the Philistines provided her with the seven fresh bowstrings yet not dried, and she bound him with them in verse 8. The Philistines were hidden in the room and when she gave the warning to Samson, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. He broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn touched by fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Now we're not giving the details about where the Philistines were hiding. They just give us the fact. The second attempt of Delilah comes in 10 through 12. In verse 10, Delilah acted offended now and accused Samson of mocking her and pleaded that he tell her the secret to bind him. So she starts using her femininity. Samson told her, if they bind me securely with new robes, 
that have never been used, then he would become weak as any man. The Philistines again were hidden in the room. She bound Samson with the new ropes and warned him once again, but he broke them like a thread. The third attempt of Delilah in 13 and 14. Delilah in 13 now accused them, notice, of mocking and lying to her, acting hurt, and asked them to tell her the secret to which she said, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. Delilah wove his hair tightly with the batten of the loom. She gave the signal again. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke and he pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Probably a horizontal loom, not a vertical one, because he was laying down. One skin, he broke free. The fourth and the last attempt of Delilah comes in 15 through 22. In 15, Delilah accused Samson now of not loving her. Now she's really turning on the charm and the hurt and the tears. Having mocked her three times and not revealing the secret of his strength. You see, Delilah kept bugging Samson in verse 16 and urging him, pestering him daily that he became intolerably irritating, a drippy faucet. The Proverbs says it's better to dwell in the corner of a house than with a woman as a drippy faucet. That can be the other way also. But she just kept nagging him, kept working on him. And so Samson revealed all his heart in verse 17, telling her of his Nazarite vow. No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If shaven, he said, his strength would have him, would leave him and be as any other man. Wrong. Samson was absolutely wrong. The Nazarite vow and the long hair and the diet was all a outward or public demonstration of his consecration and devotion to God. The secret of his strength was the spirit of God coming upon him. In 18, Delilah, recognizing the truth of his call, then called for the lords of the Philistines and told them that Samson had revealed the secret. And so they paid her off. Payday came. In 19, Delilah lulled him to sleep on her knees and had a man shave the seven locks of his head and provoke and irritated him. Delilah, for the last time, warns him in verse 20. The Philistines are upon you, Samson, only to awake, thinking he would shake himself free, not knowing that the Lord Yahweh had left him. The sharp contrast is stated, but he did not know that the Lord Yahweh had departed from him. But it wasn't due to his hair, but rather to his unrepentant worldliness of sin. God removed his strength. This was not a victory for the Philistines. This was God's judgment over Samson. He became physically what he was spiritually, blind. He became physically what he was spiritually bound as a slave to his sin nature. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with Samson the simple truth that it is God who is our strength. 
and Him who we are to trust. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And we've had to break only partway through this study. But if your schedule permits you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own personal copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Samson, Who Chose to Sin. It's available on CD for just $4. That title once again is, Samson, Who Chose to Sin. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com